0: What is up everybody and welcome to the Joe Kilgallen podcast aka Kilgallen's pub it's a Monday afternoon I'm recording this shit I hope you're enjoying yourselves wherever you may be as always I like to start this podcast with a little bit of gratitude big shout out to all the patreon subscribers you people are amazing you keep me going I love you I love each and every one of you and you the most you know who I'm talking about you specifically I love you the most and I hope all of you are thinking he's talking about me Be that person, be that person that gets a little cocky. That's like, you know what? I bet that stripper does want to fuck me. It's fun. Even if it's not true, it's fun. It like lets your mind go a little bit, you know? Then you know what they say? Like the the person who does think the stripper wants to bang them, usually dead wrong. But in those moments in which that person honestly and truly believes that the stripper is going to turn in her G-string, clock out and run away together with that fella, he feels fantastic right and isn't that what we want isn't that what we're trying to find in life just moments even if they're fleeting moments to feel fantastic moments in which we're walking on air moments in which we're swinging the big dick we're rocking the big tits we're doing all we can to let the world know i'm here motherfucker what are you gonna do huh you gonna give me a hug give me a hug world i'm gonna embrace you right we're, we're talking positive vibes say i hope you're starting your week off right let's go So, yes, thank you to all of you. I also want to give a shout out. This past Thursday night, I got to host a wonderful event that raised a ton of money. I don't I haven't gotten the final figures yet, but they're supposed to be announced that soon. Should be record breaking for this charity, like most money ever made from one event. It's for Special Olympics, Illinois. Got to meet a good handful of the Special Olympics athletes that were in attendance. Inspirational people, awesome people. Um, it was a great event. Chicago Cubs, former, I should say, sucks. I even have to stay former because I love the guys so much, but I love the current manager too. Former Chicago Cubs manager and Tampa Bay Rays manager and Anaheim Angels manager, Joe Madden. That's right. 2016 World Series champion manager, Joe Madden, was in the house for the event. It was Club 400 presents an evening with Joe Madden, an evening that will not suck. Because when Joe Madden, Joe Madden was manager of the Cubs, the Cubs had a slogan saying, try not to suck. He had all these great Madden-isms, as they were called. Do simple better. Don't let the pleasure, or no, I'm sorry. Don't let the pressure exceed the pleasure. You know what I mean? Like people put a lot of pressure on themselves, so much to the point that when if, if you do even reach what you want, the pleasure for that won't erase all the shit you just went through. Something to think about, right? He had a lot of really good ones like that. Um, and he was a good dude. I got to chat for him just for like a minute or two. I was running around. I was MCing the event, so I had to make sure People were brought on stage when they were supposed to be. I had to make sure things were running smoothly. I think over 300 people were there at 200 bucks the ticket. That's a good chunk of change. Plus the silent auction, all the raffles. They made a lot of money for a wonderful cause. So shout out to Stu McVicker at Club 400. I would love to name every person who I came across um, that evening, but that would be a whole podcast because that's how good the people were. I mean, Cubs uh, radio voice Ron Coomer was there. He was great. Bruce Levine, who I've been listening to talk about sports in Chicago for my whole life, probably not to age you, Bruce. Um, just a lot of great people there. My guy Crawley, uh, Danny Rocket from the Bleacher Bump Band, um, Marty Garcia from Salsa King of Chicago, best salsa ever. Uh, I don't. He's not nationwide yet, but if you are in Chicago, most of the grocery stores now have Salsa King of Chicago. So definitely check out that salsa. All right. Um, and another early warning, and then I'll get to some real content here. Sorry, everybody. Uh, St. Louis. I'm going to be at the Westport Funny Bone in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, November 2nd through 5th. Just uh, locked in that date last week. I wanted to give, I know I've got some St. Louis fans who listen to the podcast, so I wanted to give you guys an early heads up. I will be back in St. Louis the weekend of November 2nd through 5th. This weekend, Friday, August 25th, I believe or is the 26th, I will 25th, I will be at um, Madame Zuzu's, <laughs> that's a funny name, I know, Madame Zuzu's in Highland Park, Illinois. It is owned by Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins fame. One of the best songwriters in the nineties, right? And a big Cubs fan too. This reminds me, if i if he's there, I gotta, I gotta pick his brain about something if I get a chance. I've seen him there a couple times. i performed at this venue. It's now my third time performing at this venue. The other two times, Billy Corgan was in the back. Like I took the stage and then I think he snuck in to watch me. And I saw him laughing a lot the one evening. The second time I performed there, I didn't see as much laughing but he was with his wife and I think he was kind of running around doing stuff. Um, Cause I remember thinking to myself like, Billy, I'm killing it, my man. Well, let's see, let's see those pearly whites. Let's see some smiles and some chuckles from the back of the room, but I've never went up to him going for a pitch or anything like that. Um, but I do have another podcast I do called my favorite cub, where I talk to famous Cubs fans about who their favorite Cubs player was growing up. He'd be a good guest. Just thought of that right now. And I'm telling you all that as well. All right. So, um, Yeah. A lot of uh, fun stuff going on right now. I do have to say this school is back. My kids started school today and I saw posts from parents and posts from people. And I saw like Instagram end of summer photo dump. It's not the end of summer. We have one full month of summer left. You podcast listeners, you longtime listeners know I get fucking pissed. I get so angry and annoyed. When people act like when the school year starts, summer's over or toward the end of August, they're cutting it off. Even though like, I don't get people who don't have kids doing this. People who don't have kids will even start to make summer go shorter. They'll be like, well, it's already August 20 something. September's around the corner. I guess that's it. Better start getting ready for fall. Get better. Get ready to get chubby again. No, fuck that. Okay. Summer goes till September 21st. Do you remember? The 21st night of September way off key on that one. I haven't heard the song in a long time. Not that it would help as you could tell horrible voice on this fellow over here, but uh, you got, you got 30 days, 30 days to keep enjoying the summer, especially in the Midwest. It's going to be in the hundreds this week. I think, I don't know what it is. I think people get so amped for the summer. They get amped up for summer, like a month, two months before summer. So that's why they cut it short at the end. Because they think they're mentally, they've been in summer for a while, even though they weren't. Because April and May are not summer. That's very much spring. And even a good chunk of June, not quite summer yet. I just don't like when people fuck with the calendar. All right? We have so few things that are so like definite that we all kind of agree on. Let summer go till September 21st. You got plenty of time to have sex on the beach. You got plenty of time to day drink. You've got plenty of time to do whatever it is you like to do in summer. What do you want to do? Huh? You want to go do a cannonball in a lake? Go for it, right? You want to uh, eat a taco on the street? You got time. Just please soak it in, because for the my listeners who are in cold weather areas, we know we're going to deal with some hell. All right. You might have some fun through Thanksgiving and Christmas. The holidays are are, are a joyous occasion, but come January, you're going to be like, I cannot wait. I can't wait till the summer. And you're going to tell yourself, you're going to do all this shit that you didn't do last year. And I'm going to look at you and go, "I I was next to you. I was there on August 21st when you were like, kids are back in school. I guess it's fall. (laughs) <laughs> before you know we're gonna have pumpkin donuts and apple cider and all this shit and i can't i'm gonna get a new thick flannel this year and i'm gonna start wearing all the hoodies again this is I mean, i'm gonna say fuck your stupid mouth you st-, like no you did this to us you made summer end early you told summer to beat it and now and now winter's even harder because of your shit attitude you know the fuck i'm talking about right now too man oh it fires me up enjoy your summer okay summer over for your kids. Yeah. It's over for your kids. It's not over for you though. Okay. It's not even over for them. What they're learning. Who says you can't learn shit in the school year, right? You know, the school year was not originally like people being nice saying, oh, let's have the kids get summer off. That wasn't it. The school year was designed the September to June school year. Now it's freaking almost practically mid-August to maybe the first week of June. That school year was designed for farmers. The whole thing was these kids need to be off school and help in the farm because it's like the big, busy harvest season or whatever. That's what it was. When you think about it, it's nice to give kids off. I'm not saying that kids should be going to school in the summer because that's, you don't want to be that dickhead either, right? I, I'm glad I'm not one of those adults that's like, oh, they should be in school constantly. Yeah, let them have some days off. School's stressful, right? First day of school today, though, I noticed as I brought my kids to school, they were like bumping music to get everyone like pumped up for the first day of school. And my wife made a wonderful point. She's like, why don't they play this every day? Why isn't? Why can't every day they're playing? You know, songs that are like obviously they're not playing like fucking Slipknot, but uh, which would be that's a badass school if you went to that school that's busting out Wait and Bleed and some cool Slipknot songs. But you know they're playing like songs that like everybody could get along with. Even the kids who are jaded goth kids are gonna be like, yes, yeah, good song. All right, I'm into this tune, and and it did, it puts you in a mood. And I remember thinking, yeah, they should do more of this shit. There's a lot that American schools need to figure out especially when we do the daylight savings time when it, you know, in Chicago and whenever that starts, well, like late November at like four 30, it's dark out. The kids got out of school three 30. They get maybe an hour of daylight. And in Chicago, it's not even sunny. It's gray. We just have gray skies forever. We, you won't see the sun for a month or two. And I remember thinking to myself, like, shouldn't we get them out a little earlier? So they get a little chance at some sunlight it's depressing. They wake up, right? You got to shove some food down their gullets and then you get them in the car. All right, run along, go to school, I'll pick you up in eight hours. And then they're out and it's just, it's drab out. Is that the word I'm looking for? Drab? I think so. Dreary. It's no way to live a life. I don't think that's good for the mind, right? You need some sunshine. Got to put some sunscreen on them. If you look like this white motherfucker talking to you right now through this podcast, excuse me, cough. I had to cough. I thought it was professional. I to turn it this way. I'm amping up the energy for you guys. Cause sometimes I listen back to my own podcast and I go, Hey, you started hot. And then you just started to fizzle. You started fade. You don't want to do that. I might drop down and do some push-ups in the middle of the podcast right now. I did exercise today. It's back to school for the kids. Still summer again. God damn it. It's still summer. And it was back to the gym for this guy. That's right. Today, Monday, August 21st. 20, I can't talk back to the gym for this guy today, Monday, August 21st, I got my routine. I'm so pumped about this. First time in since my oldest son was born, I'm going to have all this free time during the day. So I drop my kids off to school in the morning and I've got about 7 hours to myself. Is it? Yeah, 8:30 to like 2:30 that's say. I got a good 6-hour chunk to myself. I did today. First kid gets dropped off at 7:30, then 8:30. Right when I drop my son off for that for uh, his 8:30 bell, I go right to the gym. Gym's about a mile from the school, so it's a real easy drive. And, uh, I mean, I could walk it if I wanted to, but I'm, I'm already dropping them off. So, uh, I go into the gym, get a good hour long workout in nothing crazy. Today's my first day back. You got to ease into it. You know what I'm saying? Especially since I ate like a pig all weekend. I did. I did that thing. I remember grocery shopping on Friday and I went extra piggish with my shopping. I'm like cinnamon rolls, get in this cart. What else we got there? Oreo double stuff, get in the cart. Although Oreo double stuff is hardly double stuffed anymore. Remember the Oreo double stuff? You can tell the difference. This is how much our society has gone to shit. Oreo, Oreo cookies, they are regular now is practically like those thins they used to sell to suburban women thinking they were on a diet. You know, those garbage, like little thin ones where it's like a cracker where they just put like a little spread of that fake cream or whatever it is in there. Now the double stuffed are like the regular. And I don't even know if they had beyond double stuffed. At, at that point, what is that? You know, so that's... You know, when people want to point to evidence of where society's gone wrong, I point to that shit right away. So I I bought all this fattening food, treated the body like crap this weekend. Why, Joe? Why'd you do that? Well, because I knew starting Monday, I was going to start my new routine, drop the kids off at school, straight to the gym, work out for an hour or so, come home, walk the dog around the block or two as a way to like come down from the nice workout, then get on the computer start making some comedy magic, right? Editing clips, you know, coming up with joke ideas, sending out emails, doing all the comedy business stuff that I've been wanting to do for a long time, but never had the time, writing scripts, all that great stuff, right? This is it. Today's the first day of the rest of my life, baby. This is Joe Kilgallen. Look, I'm still in my late 30s, a couple years from 40. And then I'm gonna kill it in my 40s. I'm gonna be one of those guys like, there's a lot of modern actors now where they're in their mid forties and they're just on fire. Best times of their lives. That's going to be me. So I'm ramping up to that to when I'm, I'm totally going to be just in my absolute prime. Cause that's the beautiful thing about being a stamp comedian. Our primes are actually our forties. All the best comedians have written their best stuff in their forties. Bill Burr, uh, Louis CK was in his forties when he did a bunch of great stuff. Um, I mean, the list could go on and on and on about comics who were just like, they hit that st- that age i mean there's still great comics in there tom sagara's in his 40s now he's doing some really good stuff um Nate gets in his 40s now his material is really good i think john mulaney just turned 40 um you know there's a lot of names names i don't even like but they're like they're killing it then and the names of people who were who killed it in their late 20s to 30s it's a small list it's a small list music on the other hand early 20s i feel like early mid 20s late 20s and then after that they just kind of like but as far as their peak goes, um, I think Kirk like O'Bain was 24 when he wrote Nevermind, Michael Jackson was 24 when he did um, Thriller. Uh, there's a list of people who are like in their early 20s. Anyhow, so back to going to the gym and, and the reason I ate like such a pig. So I ate like a pig all weekend. No when I was going back to the gym on Monday. And some people might say, well, is that really the best way to do it? You're eating a bunch of cinnamon rolls over the weekend thinking you'll just work it off on Monday. I'm like, yeah, Monday's when I start. So I'm having one last crazy weekend. I'm going to drink heavily and I'm going to eat a lot of sweets. Makes sense to me. And then you'll see those people out there. You see them all over your Instagram and your TikTok nowadays and your YouTube shorts being like, hey, do I wait till Monday? You want to change your life? You got to start today, damn it. You got to start today. You got to hit that gym today. You got to be disciplined today. They do all that kind of nonsense. And I look at them going, no, fuck you. I want to start Monday. I'm starting Monday. Why don't you start today? Because I'm starting Monday. I don't want to start on a Saturday. That's fucking depressing. Saturdays are supposed to be for fun. And it's okay to choose. If you're out there right now and you're thinking the way I'm thinking where you're like, you know what? I want one last party weekend and then I'm going to start it up. Do it. Don't these fucking nerds, these douchebags on the fucking internet who always act like if you don't work out the way they do, you're a failure. Fuck you. I don't need your stupid ass body. I'm going to do what's right for me and grow from there. Starting on a Monday made sense to me. If you're out there right now and you're like, you know what? I'm going to start on a Wednesday. Then start on a Wednesday. It's as long as you start the day you want to start, then do it. I get the mindset from those people being like, if you want to change your life, do it now. Sure. But then in the same regard, you also have to get excited to do it. You know? So when I came up with the plan, it was still my plan. And I executed the plan and I feel great today. I, I really do. I feel like I'm glowing, right? I've had, usually I don't give this information out to the listeners, but I've already had sex today too. I am killing it. So um, that's how you gotta do it. You don't have to be like all these motivational people. And that's their thing though, they have to do that. But they're such fools. When I'm in the wrong mood, I don't wanna hear them at all. I don't. It's like, you gotta work out. If you're not doing this every day, you're not gonna win. Win at what? Win at the game of life. Life's not a game, okay? Okay. It's not, I don't know who told you it was a game. Is there a point system? Oh, if you don't think of life as a game and you're, have you seen this one fucking tool out there? I mean, an all-time drip. I don't know his name, but he's one of those, he said this whole thing where he goes, I break my day into three days. Six a.m. to noon, that's one day. Noon to six, that's two days. This, so I'm doing three days. Over the course of a month, I'm out, you know, and then he's like doing over two years. Oh, well, I'm killing you. I've won the game. And I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. That's not how time works, dipshit. Can't make up your own time and act like you're doing more. And I can't stand those people too, where I'm like, okay, so you give yourself four and a half hours to sleep. Yeah, man, four and a half hours to sleep. That's what I do. And I'm like, okay, you're gonna crash and burn. And there's no way anyone around you loves you. Okay. Oh, well, my kids say they love me. Yeah, they love the money you're giving them. But then later in life, they're gonna be like, you know who was a piece of shit? My dad. Yeah, because he was never fucking there for me. He was going on podcast every fucking day with his fat head, telling people how to live their lives as if they don't live their life exactly like that. They're gonna be miserable cunts. That's not the case at all. Man, I'm glad, and I'm glad not everyone subscribes to that because people, like, I know so many people who are super happy that none of them could give a fuck about their 401k or about starting a business or all that kind like, yeah, take care of your body, eat right, and you'll be fine, all right? Get a little exercise in, get a lot of exercise in. Work with what works with you, but don't let some talking head on your phone try to control your life. All right, I'm off my soapbox right now. Listen to me. Don't listen to those fucking idiots. I'm the guy you gotta listen to. See what I'm saying? I'm not being a hypocrite at all by telling you not to listen to those people on the internet. Listen to this dipshit on the internet right here. Okay? The guy who's wearing a mesh shirt supporting his friend's local business, even though it makes my nipple stick out a little bit. You know, it's not a mesh shirt. What would you call the dry fit? Dry fit? Great example of good good clothing ingenuity, the dry fit. I like to work out in a dry fit thing. because You could sweat it up a little bit, but I think you get nipple chafing if you're not too careful. You gotta be careful with the nipple chafing. Nobody likes chafed chaf nipples. Nobody at all. All right. um, What else is there to talk about? I saw this and it made me wonder. Fellow comedian, Andrew Schultz, had a clip go viral. He's a guy goes viral all the time. Uh, He was on this podcast with uh, Charlemagne. I don't call him Charlemagne the God because he's not my God. I've never met him. I haven't seen him do anything godlike. He seems to be a a pretty great radio personality, but uh, you got to be a little bit more than that, my friend. So you're Charlemagne. I'm not going to call you the God. Like if I met Charlamagne, I'm like, hey, hey, Charlemagne, nice to meet you. And if he goes, hey Charlemagne the God, and I'm like, well, is the God your last name? Because when I meet people for the first time, I don't really go full name. It's a really weird thing, you know. Even if you introduce yourself by your full name, I'm not going to do it. You know, look, I got George Carlin on my wall right here. He's dead, but if he came back from the grave and was like, hi, I'm George Carlin, I'd be like, hey, great to meet you. That's pretty much what I'd say, or I'd say, nice to meet you, George. I would to be like, nice to meet you, George Carlin. Why? That's fucking way formal. And also, the God, that's that's a lot. What if I want to introduce myself as, you know, Joe Kilgallen, um, fucking Lord of the penis or no, that sounds like I'm, uh, no, it'd be like, what if I'm Joe Kilgallen, Lord of the vagina? Like I, I, now that sounds really bad too. Whew, man, I'm getting myself on list by even saying these things. What if I, uh, introduce myself as, uh, Joe Kilgallen, Thundercock, would you be like, Oh, nice to meet you, Mr. Thundercock. No, you'd be like, Oh, there's a name. Yeah. It's my name. I gave it to myself. Call me that. So I don't know if Charlemagne would be like, I'm Charlemagne, the God, call me the God, even though I spelled the wrong. You know, it's not T-H-E, he does it by T-H-A. Regardless, I give the guy credit, he is very good at what he does. He's on a radio show called The Breakfast Club out of New York City. And he does uh, a podcast called Brilliant Idiots with the comedian Andrew Schultz. And Schultz said, Schultz talked about how he went to the Taylor Swift concert. And he was like, look, I just went with with my wife, thinking I'm being a good husband, blah, blah, blah. Said, loved it greatest live concert he's ever seen in his life. Uh, Just a huge fan of it. She's amazing. He goes, she's the biggest of all time now. I think uh, she's bigger than Michael Jackson ever was. And then people are, whoa, whoa, whoa. So the question is this, Taylor Swift versus Michael Jackson. Who is it going to be? Who is bigger? Is he right? Is Andrew Schultz right that Taylor Swift has now surpassed Michael Jackson? And other people are like, dude, Michael Jackson's Michael Jackson. I'm starting to look back on it. I was really too young. Like a lot of, you know, Thriller came out before I was born and a lot of his hits did. So I'm like, do I, I don't really know it. But from what I've seen from documentaries and the people who lived it, it's hard to believe that Taylor's passed him. But I think it's almost too new, her resurgence. One, I think she's smarter business-wide, but you know, Michael Jackson didn't tour all the time either though. So when he went on these world tours and everyone bought tickets and were crying and going nuts and that's what Taylor's going through now, I don't know. It's very hard to say. She's not even 40 years old yet. I think I'd have to give her a couple years before I could accurately compare her career to what Michael Jackson did hit for hit. Oh, Michael Jackson was the first artist to have five number one singles on one album. His 1987 album bad had five hit singles. It had man in the mirror, dirty Diana. Um, the way you make me feel, uh, what's that other great song? Man in the Mirror, he said, Dirty Diana, uh, Bad, had the song Bad. So that's four hits right there. And there's probably a fifth one I'm forgetting right now. But like, it was just massive, the amount of hit songs this guy had. And then Thriller changed the game. You could argue that's the greatest album of all time, one of the most successful albums of all time. He was revolutionary music videos. He was so big that in 1991 or 92, when the Dangerous album came out, it was like a world premiere for the music video on network television like 30 to 40 million people tuned in to see this. It was it was crazy how huge this guy was. Now, the thing is, he had a lot of the fallout from all the accusations of him diddling kids. You know, whether it's true or not, I don't want to start talking about that because I haven't done my research. People I respect that I think are pretty bright have told me like, nah, there's some shady shit there. A lot, All the families that have accused him of it, there's a lot wrong with them. I do remember reading about the one family that accused him of some gross play. They were also a family that like faked falling down at a grocery store. Like there's video of them, like where they poured out like some Pepsi and slipped down. Like I broke my knee. I'm going to sue you for everything. So, you know, sometimes you have to look into that. I never saw that documentary on HBO. I love the music. I do. I love the music of Michael Jackson. And I remember even joking around with some people being like, really? Even if he's a child molester, I'm like, look, the album Thriller didn't molest any children. You know, and that came out when he was 23. I don't think he was jerking off children then. So I don't know. Um, maybe I'm trying to be maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe I'm I could separate the art from the artist. Maybe it's because he's dead and it's been so long. I I don't know. Taylor Swift doesn't have anything like that. Thank God, right? Um, so I'm not gonna say for sure. I know this feels like a cop up because I'm talking about it. it's like Joe, just pick a side. Fuck it. I'll make a I'll make a decision. I'll say right now I still have Michael Jackson as the biggest artist of all over Taylor. But if you told me two years from now, it's Taylor would be is bigger. I'll, I agree with that. I, th- I, I don't think she's there yet, but I have to say it. I haven't seen this concert. That's how hard it's been to d- get tickets. She is like stimulating local economies. When she came to Chicago, she sold out all three nights. The resale of the tickets, people who bought tickets and were trying to sell them were the market was like six grand. It was insane. All the hotels in downtown Chicago and the surrounding suburbs were packed. Like it was just, she is like a one woman economic. She's a stimulus for cities. If you have a, if you're a city that's not on her list of tour dates as a mayor, you owe it to your citizens to try to pitch it to her. Be like, hey, Taylor, we see you're going to be in Indianapolis next week, but you don't have a Memphis date. Come on down I 50 or 65, whatever the fuck the highway is. Please, I'm tra- telling you, we got this great thing. You're going to have a great time. The barbecue, fancy. Like, that's what you need to be doing because that's what she is. She is a one woman economic stimulus package. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, it's still tough though because Michael Jackson was just worldwide. Still, I think the greatest artist of all time, or not, not greatest because everything's about taste, but the biggest, most impactful artist of all time is the Beatles. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing a Beatles hat. It's coincidental that I'm wearing it right now. I, I do love the Beatles, but you just, they were the, I mean, Elvis was here, the Beatles passed Elvis. And yeah, maybe you could say right place, right time, '56, and all that. But every major band that came after the Beatles mentioned the Beatles and their influence. They went the way the way they went from boy band pop sound to like this heavier sound to like psychedelic to like just groundbreaking revolutionary music and did it their way. And the amount of shit they put out in a short period of time. Now artists like Taylor Swift, they put out a new album every three years. The Beatles put out two a year. I'm not kidding. They put out two albums a year for like a five year run. It's crazy. I think they had 12 studio albums total in a short, short period of time. The Beatles, well, and you see the videos of them, people were sobbing, crying, passing out in the audience. They had to stop touring because nobody could hear them. They would take the stage and people screamed, screamed the entire time to the point the Beatles couldn't hear themselves. Ringo would talk about like he'd playing the drums and he's like, okay, Paul usually moves his hips when he starts to sing this part. So then he would notice switch. He couldn't hear the guitars in front of him and the beat. There's footage. There's a great documentary. It was on Netflix for a minute. Now it might be on Hulu or Amazon Prime. Check it out, though. It's called Eight Days a Week, and it's about the Beatles' touring years because they stopped touring in 1966. They were banned up until 70, but they stopped in 66. And there's one scene where George is on stage and he's looking over at John being like, I don't even know what the fuck song we're playing. I can't hear you and are four feet in front of me. And, and they just talked about how it wasn't fun. They're like, this is no way for, you just can't do live music like this. The technology did not exist for amps and speed. They, they built, the technology was trying to catch up to them. The first 100 watt amp, I think it was, was built for the Beatles. And they still, the crowd out screamed, these new amps, the highest form of technology at the time. And they just, it couldn't keep up. So yes, the Beatles will always be the biggest uh, act of all time. That's just, there's no way around that shit. Um, but right now, Taylor Swift is, she's queen B. She's, yeah, I know Beyonce tried to call herself queen bee, but not even close. Beyonce just played the same venue in Chicago a few weeks ago. And I probably could have bought tickets on StubHub or wherever for like 50 bucks. I mean, look, Beyonce is a great artist too, but like, as far as like, I mean, it's, she collabs with everybody. She's more of like a statement than, I mean, Taylor Swift songs. I feel like the average person, if one comes on, you're going to be like, oh, I fucking know this song. Right. That's, and I think that's what Andrew Schultz's point was. And, and she co-writes a lot of them. I think she writes most of her songs or works with a couple of writers. So she's a writing credit on all of them. And it's not like a Beyonce song. Have you seen, fuck have you seen the songwriting credits on a Beyonce song? Go to a recent Beyonce single. It's like 14 people writing a three minute song. Everyone like, it's crazy. I think two to three tops, maybe four that's pushing it. But like the Beatles were John and Paul George would get solo writing credit and stuff. And then, you know, I don't think Ringo, Ringo, Ringo wrote one song, I think one or two, but yeah, I mean, I can understand bands collaborating or it's like written by the whole band. Nirvana had a couple songs where all three guys get a songwriting credit on it. But if you have 14 people, that just, that just tells me you have no real say. You might've added a lyric or you, or your manager was like, she gets, cause you want the publishing credit in songwriting, whoever gets the publishing, the, the songwriters make more than the rest of the band and they make that money forever. So there are bands who it's like, yeah, the songwriter, he's filthy, stinking rich. We're doing well. Don't get us wrong, but that's where the right, that's where the money is. The money is in publishing. If you get the sole credit for written by you, every time someone covers it, they have to pay you. Every time it's played you get the most money from the royalties that that song generates. All right, everyone, that's been the podcast for Monday, August 21st. Uh, thank you for checking out the Joe Kilgallen podcast. Uh, I will have a Patreon bonus episode up tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I'm going to, Two two posts at once. Uh, I'm also going to post uh, a comedy set I did a couple weeks ago here in Chicago. It's a real fun set. It was um, had some crazy crowd work with this drunk woman, so uh, it, it'll be a good time for you guys. And uh, other than that, tell all your friends about the podcast. Let's get dumb is coming back in two weeks. If you were a fan of the podcast, let's get dumb with myself and comedian Joan Jerkins. That is coming back. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy your week. All right, cheers.